well-being needs to be put to the forefront that it's not just a reactive support mechanism well-being is part of your daily life Hello and welcome to the THE Connect podcast. This episode is produced in partnership with the University of Lincoln. I'm your host, Ashton Wenborn. Academic institutions must understand the vital role that staff wellbeing plays in creating a positive and productive working environment. By integrating personal and professional development into policies, practices and culture, universities can ensure that staff are supported, valued and able to thrive in their roles. I'm joined today by Rosie Damarell, Tracy Lang, Dave Pritchard and Kate Strudwick. Rosie, Tracy, Dave and Kate have been integral to the development of a robust framework to support wellbeing and development at the university. They'll be speaking with me about how institutions can support faculty's personal and professional development, as well as the importance of offering wellbeing policies that cater to the needs of a diverse body of staff. Would you all like to introduce yourselves to the listeners and give us a brief overview of the work you do at Lincoln? I'm Rosie Damarell. I'm the People Engagement and Wellbeing Manager at the University. Um, So I sit within the organisational development team within the uh, People Performance and Culture Department. So a lot of my role, as you said, is about supporting this agenda and making sure it's embedded in the culture at the university. Hi, um, I'm Tracy Lang and I'm Head of Organisational Development. So I work um, with Rosie within the Organisational Development team. I head up the wider OD agenda and part of that is the learning and development side, so all the training side, as well as overseeing the wellbeing and engagement work that Rosie does. And overall, I lead on the um, cultural part of our new strategic plan as a university and lead on the strategy, design and development of the organisational development bit within that. Hi, I'm Dr Kate Strudwick and I'm Dean of Teaching and Learning at the University. Um, I lead two departments, one which is the Office of Quality Standards and Partnerships, which is responsible for assuring and enhancing quality standards of all universities, awards and programmes, and also Lincoln Academy of Learning and Teaching, LOUT which is a community of practice representing all staff, academics and support staff who teach and leading on initiatives and projects for sharing good pedagogical practice and student engagement. Hi everyone, I'm Dave Pritchard and I'm the Assistant Director of the Lincoln Academy of Learning and Teaching. Uh, So my role is uh, predominantly projects focused, uh, supporting Kate um, in, in her work. Uh, We do an awful lot within the Lincoln Academy, um, everything from programmes of study for academics to to undertake, such as an apprenticeship or PGCHE, um, through to supporting academic infrastructure on behalf of the university. So we get involved in all sorts of things, such as the teaching excellence framework and the access and participation plan. Great. Thank you all for that introduction. I'd like to start our conversation today by talking a little bit about the changes that the higher education sector has seen in recent years. I think the world's becoming increasingly globalised and digital, and we're also still managing the fallout of the COVID-19 crisis. So have you found that people's expectations of their personal and professional development and their workplace well-being has changed as a result of the world changing around them? Perhaps, Kate, you could just speak on that a little bit to kick us off. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think um, coming out of COVID and 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 the fallout, as as you mentioned, um, did lead to a, a number of shifts um, with regards to both how higher education is viewed um, by all stakeholders. So I think that would include um, students and in terms of their aspirations and also staff as well, because um, we we clearly, as with all other institutions. Um, made the development of uh, being more digitally enhanced. But coming back from that, we as an institution were very keen to, to have a, a more blended learning approach, which we did um, and did it effectively and successfully through support and guidance from our, um, our digital education team and also LOUT as well, as well as uh, on, on a disciplinary level with all schools um, and academic schools and also through... Um, through support and well-being um, from professional services as well. I think what we did notice is that then it's trying to to kind of match how we how we develop and how flexible and adaptable we are in terms of as we've now become more face to face. And so there there is a, there is um, an assurance that there's flexibility and adaptability there. It's not a one size fits all, which we feel works for both the wider community at Lincoln, including staff and students. You mentioned there that shift into a wholly digital approach that we obviously all had to experience during various lockdowns. And then the fact that we've kind of come out of that and now we're moving into this hybrid approach. And I think that there's some fatigue there from staff and students. I wonder how how you've managed that shift into hybridity, especially in terms of people's well-being you know managing that fatigue managing that feeling of like well we were doing this and now we're kind of shifted mm. back again um I don't know if any of you have a particular focus there so obviously as the well-being manager at the university that that shift we were face-to-face all, all of the time prior to the pandemic to them being completely digital to them being hybrid um you know it accelerated our use and our knowledge of sort of accessing things digitally and I think the university was very successful you know sort of overnight being able to switch everything and the expectation to be able to do that you know at the end of the day the students are our customer um so we need to do the best for them and their expectations but actually at the same time you're right what impact does that then have on our you know people in our community and our colleagues and certainly from a well-being perspective um, the problems that we're used to seeing in a workplace were, were flipped on its head and that you know the burnout the digital burnout became a problem we certainly had to readdress everything but rather than seeing it as a stumbling block or a hurdle you know we actually see it as an opportunity to progress the university progress the well-being offering and actually you know very much like Kate said one size doesn't fit all we've done a lot of work in terms of managing the culture um, and allowing people to manage their own time and what suits them best rather than forcing into that nine to five. It definitely um, changed our perspective of well-being, shall we say. It's interesting to hear you speak on the importance of not taking that one size fits all approach to well-being and support. 
I suppose the thing that you need to weigh up there is having a framework in place that means that you can respond quickly and effectively to anyone who needs um, additional support, but also having that personalization that means that that support is effective and correct for each person. And and I wonder, Tracy, in your role as head of organizational development, how have you managed that balance? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting conversation around that one size doesn't fit all. And even prior to the pandemic, we as a university were starting to have conversations around moving to a more hybrid working approach. Obviously, the pandemic then accelerated that. And I think previously, there's been a lot of nervousness around that. And one of the things that we do a lot of work in within OD is that development around our managers. And one of the big things is the trust element, having the trust in your people, you know, if they've got clear, measurable objectives, that as long as you're supporting them achieving them, they might be doing that in a different way. I think there's a lot of differences. And I think the key to the success here is the development and support we give our leadership team, our managers, in order to, in order to enable them to manage individuals as people, to acknowledge different roles, acknowledge different ways of working, rather than having really, really strict guidance. So I think it's a continuous cycle of learning in terms of support, sort of going back to what Rosie said, there's been different support needed at at, at different points during the pandemic and after the pandemic and ongoing. But yeah, from an organisational development point of view, you know, we've had to relook at the learning and development side. We've had to look at the wellbeing engagement side and it does continue to evolve. Yeah, and I think just following on from that, Tracy, what what you've kind of picked up there and also Rosie has as well is the importance, I think, of the sense of belonging uh, at Lincoln. One of the one of the issues that a lot of us that have been used to working in in kind of busy offices felt was there was no corridor conversations was there was no kind of opportunity to catch up and I think there was some very clear supportive guidance and real encouragement for managers um, heads of school you know um, and department heads to to be reaching out to their teams to make sure that you do have that collegiality which effectively is what Lincoln is built on as a university. Those ideas of uh, community, trust, culture, belonging that have come up today, they're obviously such important aspects of the way the university supports its staff, its students, but they're also very intangible ideas and they're almost so broad that it's hard to pin down exactly what that means in practice. Perhaps, Rosie, in, in your role with people engagement, that's kind of more on the ground in relation to bringing those big ideas really to the people who need them so how do you feel that the university manages to funnel those big big concepts into the the actual practicality of of day-to-day life I think with them being so big it actually allows people to draw on them very individually and align them how they think it suits their area their department their team whatever they're not so restrictive what you can find sometimes, you know, you, you go to these companies and they've got these ethos and it's very, you know, it's one line and, and it's a, that killer line and that's what we do. Whereas actually this is a concept that we want people to take on board and actually embed throughout how they see fit to their areas. You know, Kate picked up every area is different, every department's different. And actually that's that's what's amazing about university. We're basically like a microcosm of the world. So actually to have these huge concepts, it allows us to use those values, but to blend them into what suits 
and can be actually delivered on the ground. I think the main thing is not to be fearful of those massive concepts, but actually to take advantage of the fact that you can use it in the best way that suits the team. You mentioned embedding that one community idea into all of your initiatives and uh, Kate and Dave also mentioned the uh, Lincoln Academy of Learning and Teaching. It would be great to hear maybe some quite specific examples of the initiatives that you're running at Lincoln um, and maybe some of the ways that it's helped help the staff that you work with. So LELT runs a, a number of initiatives to, to support all staff um, and, and really it sort of begins uh, when when a new member of staff joins us, we we have a quite an inclusive induction package that we we um, are adapting at the moment. We're intending to run it a bit like a conference, uh, where we want to really facilitate conversations into at an interdisciplinary level when new starters join us. We we run a number of programs. I let Kate talk about the apprenticeship and and the PGCHE. But in support of that, we we, um, have things like um, the Higher Education Academy recognition um, that a lot of institutions have. But the way we run our HEA is to not just look at HEA as as an opportunity to reflect on practice, but also to use it as an opportunity to engage in those wider aspects of teaching and learning. So for for me, I think it's often about how we kind of shape those pre-existing um opportunities and guide and support staff um and i think that's really what perhaps makes lincoln a slightly different way but it also then allows us to embed those more community focused aspects that that hopefully lincoln is renowned for yeah so um as as dave's mentioned there we allow runs a, a, a five stage effectively or a five five process way um in terms of delivering our, our staff development um so it's as and as, as discussed already, it's the it's the, the packages for for new starters, um, which as as we've said, kind of make sure that that the the Lincoln aspect is understood um, as they come in into their roles. Um, I'll just talk a little bit about the APA and PGCHE, and and then um, Dave can can talk a bit more about the kind of flatter stages of of the staff development that we we run as well. So the APA is a training phrase which um, all um, applicable staff can can be put forward for from their heads of school. Um, And what it is, it's a programme which prioritises excellence in teaching and learning over four core modules. And it's, it's shown to be really, really successful in making sure that those colleagues that go through the APA process, which is, um, which is academic professional apprenticeship, I should say, we just call it APA, um, was developed by, by employers and also um, expertise within the university. Um, it has two core specialist routes. So, and this is where, again, going back to that flexibility and adaptability. So um, apprentices go through either a research route or, or, or um, a teaching route. And, and that's really, really important because it aligns closely with the importance of teaching excellence, which is embedded within our new strategy, um, and also allowing those colleagues that, that go through the process and go through the training to actually bring that into their practice. And that's the whole idea is that we, we're training them in, in various aspects which may relate to a creative and innovative assessment and feedback or being inspirational in their teaching and learning, engaging students or 
or actually thinking about their own academic development, but making sure that that is then got, goes down the levels and is part of their practice as well. Um, and we've also recently launched um, earlier this year PGCHE, which is, is a, an alternative which runs alongside the APA. And this is for those where we're offering um, a, currently this year a smaller um, number of places, but up to 30 places for, um, for members of staff to, to join this programme, which is a shorter programme, which again looks at teaching and learning and assessment and, um, and feedback. And again, it's that kind of making sure that they're working in the best way possible for accessible learning through digitally enhanced technologies and they're taking that practice back to back to their their own uh, delivery um, through the classroom as well and so we're, we're offering almost two streams as if, if you see of, of staff development there alongside the other um, routes that Dave's talking about. Yeah so also to go alongside those things um, outside of the, the the program development we also try and encourage that kind of collegiate behaviour um, across the roles and responsibilities. So I mentioned we have a lot of forums, but um, part of those is really about sharing practice more than anything else. So identifying where there are challenges and, and, and looking within those forums for solutions to be effectively you know, consulted upon within those environments. And, and, and so we, we really aren't an organization where um, solutions are a top-down uh, approach that isn't what Lincoln is about. Lincoln is about collaboration more than, than anything else. And I think that does feed absolutely into that one community aspect. And Kate mentioned earlier that, that it's not just academic. We, we include professional services staff who teach embracing Celia Whitchurch's third space identities as part of our uh, professional service colleagues. And again, that inclusivity is very much that one community vibe that we, we we try and uh, um, and adhere to, and and that's because we see um, all aspects of of professional service support departments as well as academic as contributing very clearly towards you know the success of our students, and 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 that's what we're all about. Yes, yeah, so just to follow on from Dave and Kate, really, obviously the the OD remit is sort of the broader kind of organisational development support across the organisation, so. Lots of great things go on at different levels in terms of local level, you know, and, and departments do a lot of good things around development and support. But in terms of from a central provision, um, there is a very um, in-depth, detailed programme that all our employees can tap into, you know, at different points of their employee life cycle. And we're keen to support them right from the recruitment stage. So one of the things we will look at, even when someone is recruited, they're not necessarily going to be the finished article. There's, there's going to be development areas there. But equally, we need to be looking at talent at that stage as well and where we would like to progress people's careers throughout the university. That then links into kind of induction and onboarding, which Dave and Kate made reference to. You know, we go through probation, we go through appraisal rounds, and all these things link in to seeing our colleagues as individuals what are their development needs at different points in times across their career um what's most applicable for them at different points and actually that links into the work we're starting to do around talent and succession where we're keen to get different areas across the university to do that forward thinking in terms of 
if some of their key individuals were to leave tomorrow, who's next in that pipeline to step up, maybe in a temporary position, but equally, who are we starting to support, you know, who might, people might be ready in the next three to five years, et cetera. So we're trying to do a lot of work around that. Um, so there's, there's lots of different elements, I think. And one of the challenges that we've started to look at as an organisation um, is because there's a lot going on, and I don't think it's about adding more in necessarily. One of the things for us is to make it easier for our colleagues to access things when they need them. We need to create clearer career pathways, opportunities, so that people right from the get-go into their career, wherever they sit across the organisation, they've got a clear career pathway. It's been great to hear about everything that Lincoln already has in place um, in this space. And I think in the last few minutes of the episode today, I would like to challenge the four of you to each give me one sentence about your hopes for what Lincoln can achieve in the next five, maybe 10 years to support well-being and professional and personal development within the institution. Okay, I think for me, one sentence is hard, by the way, so I will try and be succinct. I think for me, um, I would like to see well-being embedded further up the chain for an individual, that actually it's a two-way agreement when someone joins the university, that we will support their well-being and they will actively engage as well from day one. And I say that because actually well-being needs to be put to the forefront, that it's not just a reactive support mechanism. Well-being is part of your daily life. You know, so actually we want people engaged from day one all the way through their career in a really positive way as well. Um, and to embed that at that level, at that higher strategic level and have people accountable to proactively engage, engaging with wellbeing would be where I'd want to see it in sort of the next five years. For me, it's the piece around career progression. So it's seeing that the data will show us over the next, you know, five to 10 years that we are adopting grow your own people within the organisation. We're less reliant on going externally. Obviously, there is a place for that when, you know, we do a recruitment campaign, etc. But actually, we're seeing where people have got a really career path, good career pathway within, you know, the whole of the University of Lincoln might not necessarily be in the same department. And we're actually seeing, you know, turnover you know being relatively low and we are growing everybody within and giving them the skills the development and the support around their well-being to to keep them here um for me it's around formal and informal mentorship and the importance um that that brings uh, to to an individual in terms of of their aspirations and support within a role um, I think mentorship is is something that's really grown in in the sector, and I think it brings huge benefits not only for the mentee but the mentor too. So for, for me, mentorship is is a, a very important part of of the development package. And for me, it's um, about learning from each other and collegiality, and and having those that value of all voices, all contributions um, through the sharing of best practice as a as a community and a and a clear belonging for everyone at the university. I'm not sure any of those were one sentence, but I'll let it go. I know it's a tough ask. <laughs> 
So that does bring us to the end of our episode today. I will follow up with you all in five or 10 years and see if you've achieved any of those goals. But it sounds like you're doing really great work in this space. And it's been really interesting to hear about your various approaches and how those are coming together as a whole for the institution. So I would just like to thank you all again for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. To find out more about job opportunities at the University of Lincoln, visit lincoln.ac.uk forward slash job opportunities. Subscribe to the THE Connect podcast to receive the latest episodes as soon as they're released. Mm-hmm.